Father, you are a good and gracious king. You are sovereign over all. There is nothing that happens uh, within everything that you have made that is uh, not under your purview as the king of kings and lord of lords. Nothing exists apart from you. Uh, And Father, as we consider uh, two things that you have shown us through your word, two things that you've revealed to us in the scripture in relation to you being sovereign over all, as well as your hand of providence as you work in and through uh, all the circumstances of life so that your good pleasure is accomplished, uh, that no one is autonomous, no one lives in and of themselves, um, but instead uh, we live as a result of your power, your grace, uh, your enabling uh, us to, to exist. Uh, and so, Father, may we understand these truths today because as we see these in light of our lives and in the, the world in which we live, uh, it can give us comfort, it can give us hope, uh, it can help put at ease anything that we may be anxious over uh, because we can solely trust and lean in you. And so, Father, may we understand these truths today um, so that we may love you more that we may honor you and glorify you more as we've just done singing. And so, Father, we commit our time to you this morning and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many times have you heard someone say, isn't that a coincidence? Or, I'm sure lucky. Or, accidents will happen. Maybe you've used these phrases yourself, but when we have a biblical worldview, we can find out very quickly that none of these statements are true. Uh, There is no coincidences. There's no such thing as luck. Uh, There's no such thing as an accident because there is a sovereign God over all who is working in and through everything that he has made. Nothing that has happened in our past, in our present, or in our future will all of a sudden catch God off guard. That's because God is the one who declares the beginning from the end. He is the one who is eternal, who exists in eternity. And so, therefore, he knows everything uh, because he is all-knowing. And so, for us to use things like coincidence or luck or accident uh, are words that Uh, man apart from God uses to explain things, to remove God from the picture of everything that happens in this world. Uh, And we're going to be speaking to this subject this morning, and I'd like to begin by actually reading out of Luke chapter 12, um, verses 6 and 7. It says there, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. See, the thing is, is that we have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives. We have a tendency to separate the spiritual from the physical. Uh, And as believers in Jesus Christ, we can never do that. If anything, we as believers in Jesus Christ, those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ, should have Uh, a spiritual lens through which we look at everything and actually see what is truly happening. 
Now, the world, you know, apart from God, we can expect him to use phrases like coincidence, luck, accident. Because they're not looking at the world through a spiritual lens. They're looking at the world through a sinful lens, a selfish lens. Uh, and they are trying to explain what happens in the world in which they live apart from God. I like what J.C. Ryle, uh, in speaking to this passage in Luke chapter 12, says. Listen to what he, he comments on. He says, Nothing whatever, whether great or small, can happen to a believer without God ordering and permission. There is no such thing as chance, luck, or accident in the Christian's journey through this world. All is arranged and appointed by God, and all things are working together for the believer's good. So what J.C. Ryle is saying here is that God is ordering everything that happens in the believer's life, and anything that does happen that maybe we look at and say, well, that's not fair, or why couldn't it have been different, is something that God is even giving permission to happen in our lives. Sometimes because of the direct decisions that we make as believers. Sometimes decisions that we make apart from considering what God has to say in relation to these things. So it doesn't matter whether or not it's a big decision. It doesn't matter if it's a small decision. Nothing can happen to a believer that is not part of God's will for them. Whether by permission or by him actually ordering those details down to even the smallest iota or jot or detail. And the thing is, even apart from that, because that's God working for our good, even apart from that, even everyone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are not just running amok. They are not uh, autonomous from the God who is the God who we sung is holy, 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 because no one is autonomous. No one, as they, they say, are the masters of their own destiny because there is a sovereign God who is ruling over all. And everything that God has made answers to him. Everything that God has made has its existence in him and him alone. And this is important because, you know, as we studied last week, as we looked at Paul and a, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and we looked at all the things that Paul went through, all the things that he had to endure, all things that, you know, evil people did to him as a result of his proclamation of salvation through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That somehow, amongst all of that, it didn't matter. Matter of fact, he even said that, you know, in going to Jerusalem, you know, if, you know, he was imprisoned or even had to die as a result of proclaiming Christ crucified and risen again and calling people to repentance and faith in him, that it didn't matter. And the reason why that was the case is because Paul understood in his heart his mind, and his soul, that God was sovereign over all. And that God's hand of providence, no matter what was dealt to him in his life, either by God giving permission to that or ordering that in such a way that he could lean on those everlasting arms, even though that hymn was written much later after Paul. And so for us today in 2022, for us looking at our individual lives as we look at the church 
you know, uh, as a whole, as we look at the world in which we live, these are two important truths about God that every believer should know, understand, and embrace without question because it will impact your life in the most profound way. Because if you don't believe that God is sovereign over all, then you have a weak God or a God little g. And that's how all the old gods that, that man makes are. They're not sovereign over all. And we can look at the Bible and we can look at even the, the, uh, you know, the religions of man and see that all that religion is dead. But see, Jesus Christ is alive. He is our Savior because he is the Son of God. And the thing is, is I, I believe even in the last two years, we have forgotten about God's sovereignty and we've forgotten about God's hand of providence. And I'm not saying to everybody in this room, but I, I'd say, you know, believers, you know, in part or in whole, people in our world were gripped by COVID so much that it, the fear of potentially dying from COVID was so strong that what we did is we replaced a sovereign God whose hand of providence was working in and through for our good as believers with fear that dominated our lives. Maybe a fear that's even dominating you still today. The what ifs. You know, the thing is we can live our lives in relation to the what ifs every day, and guess what? We will live defeated, desperate lives that are lacking the power of the eternal God who saved you. And so today I want us to look at God's sovereignty. I want to remind you who our God is so that you can live your life in light of that. To not allow the things of this world, no matter if it is something that God is ordering by his hand directly or he's giving permission to, to come into your life, that it is for your good because God is good all the time and all the time God is good. He only does that which is good and particularly for those that belong to him. So God's sovereignty, it means that God is in control. It means that there is absolutely nothing that happens in the universe, in the universe, not just in your life, not just in Connecticut, not just in this church, in the universe that is outside of God's influence and authority. And we know that scripturally from Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from him and through him and to him are all. Underline that, circle that, all things. Doesn't matter what it is. You, you can make a list of a thousand things, a million things, and guess what? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. See, that is our God. That is the sovereign God of all, the sovereign God who is in absolute control. There is absolutely nothing that happens in this universe that is outside of God's influence and authority. Know that. Believe that. Because it will change how you look at the world in which you live. It will change even the, the most dire circumstances. Because if you look at them through the light of God's sovereignty and his control over all, it will give you the perspective that Paul had. It will give you the perspective that Jesus Christ himself had 
Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Does that sound like a weak God? Does that sound like a God who does not have the authority to do anything and everything based in the holiness that he is for our good? See, when we see God as he is, when we embrace what he's revealed to us in his attributes, it changes our focus. Because if God's not in control, then heaven help us. Or whatever it is you're going to look to to help you. But see, that's not who our God is. He is not helpless. He is the God who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 13, Paul, as he writes this letter to young Timothy, says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Okay, I want to make sure you're still there. <laughs> I'm preaching to the chairs. See, if we see God in light of this, that he is King of kings, so it doesn't matter what ruler is in power in our, our world today, whether on a global scale or on a scale that is here in the United States of America, whether that's here in the state of Connecticut or whatever, you know, uh, county you're from. Because God is king over them. And matter of fact, the scriptures tell us that he is the one that puts kings into office and takes them out. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. See, there's nothing above God. His kingdom, his throne is in the heavens above everything else. The universe which he holds together by the power of his word is what rules over everything that is. But yet we will allow the smallest thing to cause us to stumble or to doubt or to fear when almighty God, whose throne is in the heavens, is still reigning and will reign because he is sovereign over all. He is the eternal God of all. See, God also does not answer to anyone as we consider his sovereignty. All answer to him and all owe their existence to him. See, this means that no one is autonomous. No one's running around saying, well, you know what? It's great that you believe that there is a God, but you know what? I'm the master of my destiny. I will live however I want because there's no consequences other than the ones that I deem wrong. If that's you here today, then you need to fall on your knees and repent before the God of all, because there's a day coming when you will. Job 12.10 says, In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. So the fact that you can even breathe this morning, the fact that I have the ability to speak this morning is by the grace of God. It's not because I take care of my body. It's not because I make sure I get the sleep that I need. 
It's because God Almighty is keeping this frail shell together and giving me life for just a little bit longer. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. See, again, when we see things as they truly are, when we know the truth, and we know that we are the clay and God is the potter, and that God does that which is good, particularly for his children, then there is, is there anything that we need to worry about? Is there anything to be anxious about? Is there anything to be afraid of? The answer to that question is absolutely not. And even that means the death of this physical body. Paul understood that. It's not because he was some superhuman. He was still flesh and blood like us. What changed Paul was Jesus Christ first and foremost in relation to salvation, but what gave him the ability to look beyond all those circumstances, everything that he suffered through was the fact that he saw God as God Almighty, sovereign over all, in control of all, and it didn't matter what man may do, God has me because I belong to him. I think David's prayer in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and 12 encapsulates God's sovereignty. Let me read it to you. He says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on the earth or in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. See, this is why David was a man after God's own heart, because he saw God as he is. That same David who was able to stand before Goliath, not in the power of his own strength, not in the power of his ability to, to, you know, uh, swing a... uh, Thank you. To sling a slingshot. I think I can choose my words better. It wasn't in that. Even though he was very skilled at that. He was a good shepherd. But as we learned a couple weeks ago from one of our teens as he opened up the word of God to us, it is because David saw that you are Goliath standing in defiance of the Lord of the God, or the, the God of the armies of Israel. See, that's the difference. Someone of small stature standing in front of someone who is head and shoulders above the rest. How can they have that perspective? Because they see God as he is. They see him as sovereign over all. And David's prayer encapsulates that as he gives the honor, the praise, and the glory to God as the one sovereign over all. So that's God's sovereignty in a nutshell. There's much more we could speak to, but time does not permit. But I'd like to speak in our final moments together about the hand of providence. Because working in tandem with God's sovereignty is his hand of providence. Providence is the word that we use to replace chance, luck, accident with the biblical truth that God is at work. In other words, nothing happens 
without his orchestration or his permission. And when we begin to see that, no matter what that may be, whether we think it's for our good or not, we have to remember who God is. So no matter what battle you may find yourself facing at this given moment, you need to remember that God's hand of providence is working in and through that for your good. Whether you like it or not. And that's the key. Oftentimes, uh, these occurrences, as we think about the hand of providence, they'll take the form of some set of circumstances happening that cannot be explained. You know, you're unable to pay a bill for a particular month, and all of a sudden, the check for the very amount comes in the mail. Oh, that was gratuitous. I wonder, you know, how that accidentally happened. Well, that's the hand of providence. That's God's hand. Praying for a friend or a family member who has a medical problem that doctors cannot diagnose or treat, and miraculously that individual is healed. That's because the great God who is sovereign over our human bodies can take and remove any sickness whatsoever because he has that power. And we could argue all day long why he just doesn't do that. Well, I'm not God, and I can trust the God who is. And know that no matter what comes into my life, whatever form it may take, whether I think it's for my good or not, I can trust God through all of it. Just like Paul did, just like Jesus did on the cross, trusting his heavenly father in obedience. See, God's hand of providence operates both in the blessings of life and pain and suffering. You know, it's not just the blessings that God's hands of providence operates. It's also the things that we don't like, the things that are uncomfortable, the things that we wish were not. But the thing is, it doesn't change who God is. And the God who knows the beginning from the end is someone you can trust. Because he is holy. He is just. He is right. He is good. See, in both, we need to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in some circumstances or in the circumstances that you like, the circumstances that make you feel good, the circumstances that make you, you know, uh, more affluent. No. Give thanks in all. Again, circle that word. All, without exception, no matter what the circumstances are, we are to give thanks whether it is a blessing, whether we're in pain or suffering. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, you can trust God because his hand of providence is still operating no matter what is happening in our lives. He is there teaching us something or bringing us through or around or removing things. See, even when we can't see God's hand because man's intentions were evil, guess what? God's hand of providence is still working. The classic example is Joseph in the Old Testament. Remember back in Genesis 45, verse 5? And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. But wait a minute, wasn't it Joseph's brothers who sold him into slavery? It was their fault, right? Right? 
The reason why Joseph was in that set of circumstances was because his brothers put him in that, right? No, God sent me. See, that's the hand of providence working. That is someone who takes comfort in knowing that even when he found himself in the very place he would not want to choose or to be, he could see God's hand in it. A couple chapters later, chapter 50, verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So God's hand of providence is not bound by the evil actions of man. Matter of fact, his hand of providence, working both through uh, the things that he orders or the things that he gives permission to happen are still part of God's hand working providentially through everything in, in all that he is over, which is everything without exception. doesn't matter what it is. Paul is a prime example of this because people did do evil things to them. They beat him multiple times because he proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. Or think about Jesus Christ himself as the, the greatest example. Yeah, you know, we can look at this and say that evil people nailed Jesus Christ to the cross, which is true. But what did Jesus say? I have the authority to lay down my life and to take it up again. That's because Jesus is the Son of God. That's because Jesus is sovereign over all. Jesus is not a victim. He willingly laid his life down as the God of all. See, God's providence works in and through everything from smallest to greatest. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So something as simple as casting a lot is not outside the purview of God's hand of providence, God's hand working in and through things. It says right here that every decision in that lot is from the Lord. So let's go on the bigger, grander scale. Verse we already looked at, Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. So it doesn't matter if it's a small lot, or if we're talking about all the kingdoms of the world, or the universe itself, or everything that is created that we don't even see with our own naked eyes. Guess what? God is sovereignly working in and through all of that. Because otherwise, the moment he is not, he ceases to be God Almighty. There can't be an exception. There can't be an oops. Either God's sovereign, and he's working in and through everything as the sovereign God of all, or he's not. There's no middle ground. Question number 11 in the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, what are God's works of providence? The answer to that question is God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures, and all their actions. Now, some may say, well, you know what? Doesn't that just make us a robot, Pastor Bill? No. It does not. What it says is that I'm not autonomous. I don't get to do everything I want to do without there being consequences. I don't even have the power to do the things I want to do apart from God permitting it. See, again, it's all about perspective. It's all about seeing that God's hand of providence first is most holy. It's 
wise, and it's a power that preserves and governs all God's creatures, great and small, and those that are created in the very image of God himself. So how should this inform our lives today? And I kind of alluded to some of this at the beginning because we need to be reminded of God's sovereignty. We need to be reminded of his hand of providence. So let me give you a few things to consider. First is that God has a sovereign plan for our lives. Through the prophet Jeremiah to the the children of Israel in chapter 29, verse 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, that, that promise is to the children of Israel. But the principle is true even for us today, that God does have a plan because God is sovereign over all. God has a decretive will which no one can change. My counsel shall stand. But he also has a permissive will, things that he allows to happen, and they only happen because he permits them. It doesn't mean he's the author or cause of them, But again, it shows his sovereignty so that there's nothing that happens in our lives or in the world in which we live apart from God. Second, that God in his sovereign plan establishes our steps. This is a verse you probably know, Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of the man plans his way. We make plans all the time. You made a plan this morning when you got up. That plan... Praise the Lord is you, you decided to get dressed, look your best, get in your car, and drive here to be in church this morning. The heart of a man plans his way, but, there's that word that keeps showing up even in the book of Ephesians, but the Lord establishes his steps. So we make plans, but it's God who establishes the steps that take us to forward to whatever that may be, to keep us where we should be for God's glory and for our good as believers in Jesus Christ. And the thing is, God can even use evil people to accomplish his good pleasure, to show his power. And we have examples of that in the Old Testament a lot. And God has not changed. He's still the same God because he is eternally that God. Third, we are never in the grip of chance, luck, or accidents because everything that happens is under the sovereign control of God and his divine plan. I appeal to Romans chapter 8. We've looked at this earlier in our time in the book of Ephesians, but this speaks again to God's sovereign control and his divine plan. And we know, verse 28, that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who were called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is the sovereign God of all, putting forth his plan of salvation working in and through even the evil circumstances that this world may present through the evil actions of evil people for the glory of God. And that same God who is sovereign over all will hold everyone accountable to his law. 
And either you will enjoy the, the blessed, the eternal blessedness of being a son or daughter of God, having your sins forgiven, your wages uh, for your sin paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, or you yourself will pay the wages or what is due you because of your sinfulness before a holy God. See, when we see God's hand of providence in our lives, it does something. First, it fills us with joy and contentment. Paul had joy and contentment. We know this as we took a look at his first imprisonment with with Silas. What did he do when he was in prison? He didn't complain. He didn't say, woe is me. He was praying to God and singing, singing hymns to God. Does that sound like somebody that's joyless? And, you know, in a a state of animosity towards God? No. That's because Paul and Silas both saw everything that they experienced through the lens of God's sovereignty and his hand of providence. So when you can live your life in light of God's sovereignty and his hand of providence in your life, guess what? It will bring you joy. And it doesn't matter if everything is crashing down around you. That does not matter. Because your focus is on your Savior. Your focus is on God who is sovereign over all. Your focus is on the hand of providence that is working for your good and for the glory of God forever. So it doesn't matter what form the things of this world may take. It may be a COVID. It may be, you know, a a vote in our country that, you know, takes away a, a freedom or puts into law something that is contrary to the word of God. That all does not matter. Because our focus needs to be on our sovereign God. And last, it helps us to bear up under the greatest of burdens and to patiently wait upon the Lord, knowing that his will is always being done and accomplished. So I appeal to you, church family, today, Do not let the circumstances of your life or the circumstances that we find ourselves in the world in which we live today as saints that have been redeemed and saved to live in this world and not be of it, to be robbed of the joy and contentment of of knowing that God is still on his throne in the heavens above everything else, that there is nothing above him and that everything answers to him and that he as the just judge, will balance the scales of justice so that his wrath on sin is appeased, as I said, either through the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son, for the forgiveness of sins, or holding all those that are in denial of who God is, living their lives as, as if they're autonomous and that God does not exist. We know scripturally that every knee is going to bow one day. That is the sovereign God of all. So live your lives today empowered by that reality. Do not let circumstances, do not let the what-ifs of this world dictate how you live. Instead, let your life be informed as you lean on those everlasting arms. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word, which is truth, your word, which is eternal, because it, 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 sh- it shares with us 
details about who you are. That you are a good and gracious God, that you are a just and righteous God. But you are not just a God, you are the God. Lord, I ask for all of my brothers and sisters in this room this morning, those that are listening online as well, to live in light of your sovereignty over all. Because it will change how we face the challenges of this life. Of whether or not we're going to stand in the power of your strength, having put on the full armor of God, and being able to be overcomers through Christ, or find ourselves being weak and frail, being beaten upon by the mercilessness of the world around us. Father, thank you that you, through your Son, reached down so that we could know you and walk with you and talk with you along life's narrow way. May we see that in the small things as well as the big things so that we can step back and give you the honor, the praise, and the glory both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.